Future pranks for Jonathan Dalton. Haha, <laughs> 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 I have all your ums on audio. <laughs> oh no! Oh, <laughs> I can oh. use them against you. <laughs> Give me back my ums. <laughs> Umpteen ums. <laughs> Do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. You're out of the trade waiter. Uh, <laughs> I knew this day would come. Welcome to the Trade Waiters. I guess before we uh, start, we should maybe make it official, since it's been official behind the scenes, but not on air yet. We now have a fifth Trade Waiter. Welcome, Jess Pollard. Yay! Yay! Thank you! <laughs> really excited. <laughs> it's not that exciting. <laughs> it is for me! <laughs> okay. We're glad, you could, we're glad you could participate. Yeah, me too. Bring right. some bring some life into the room. Hey. Jonathan brings us all Hey, down. I try my best. <laughs> Jonathan's fun. <laughs> I heard those quotation marks. <laughs> all right, Angela, do you want to tell us uh, what book we're doing? I guess we're doing Your Lie in April. Yeah, I could tell you a little bit more about the book and uh, its author. So yeah, as I was looking to select a book for the Trade Waiters, I was, you know, as I spend most of my days now reading the news, reading a lot of heavy stuff, reading a lot of tech journals, reading and looking through all of these books that I had on my uh, device that I could possibly suggest, and I decided, you know what, I just don't want to read any of these. <laughs> I just wanted to read something that was a shoujo manga. <laughs> so that is what I selected, and it is called Your Lion April. And it is by Naoshi Arakawa, uh, and it's 11 volumes in total. It is complete. The mm. first volume was released in English in April of 2015. So it's been around for a little while. Uh, I've, yeah, all 11 have probably been released in English at this point, but I'm not sure. I think so. So the manga won the award for Best Shonen Manga uh, at the 37th Kodansha Manga Awards, and it was nominated for the 5th Manga Taisho which is another prestigious manga award. It has since been adapted into an anime and a live-action feature film. I was researching a little bit about Arakawa, and I couldn't find too much information, but I do know for a fact that he has written at least two other series. And Naoshi is the writer and the artist of the series, which is a little bit unusual for manga, not unheard of. Obviously, there's a lot of uh, writer-artist teams, but this one in particular is the writer and the artist. And they've the other two works that they've completed are both about soccer. One is called Sayonara Football, and the other one is called Farewell, My Dear Kramer. Yeah, so, Your Lion April, though, is a bit of a different beast. It is about music, in particular about the competitive classical music scene. Uh, it stars a young pianist prodigy named Kosei, who's a middle school student, and Kosei used to be the top performing pianist in his region. So he was very successful in competitions and was on his way to escalating through the classical music world until tragedy struck and he could no longer play. He describes it as no longer being able to hear the piano when he gets into the groove of playing. So the people in his life trying to mitigate this are Tsubaki, his longtime friend and neighbor, 
and their mutual friend Watari. And Kosei's life seems to change when they meet Kaori, who is a classical violinist. And that's the main crux of the book. It's about the relationship between Kosei and Kaori and music. But uh, we read the first two volumes, so we will be spoiling up to the end of volume two in the rest of this book. But uh, I'm very interested to know what you guys thought. Yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't do? We didn't do our character being questions. Oh, that's right. You, you <laughs> it's not too late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's my fault. I didn't know what I was forgetting. Uh, I did prepare a character revealing question. Okay. I want to know who you are and also whether you were involved in any extracurricular music lessons as a kid. So not whether you were a part of a band or any mandated music lessons, but anything extracurricular. Mm. Okay, well, I can go first. I'm Jonathan, um, and I used to play the flute. I started playing the flute before uh, before high school, so this was before there was a high school band available for me to play the flute in. I started out with the recorder, of course, because that's easier, then went on to the flute, and eventually did a little bit of piccolo as well. Yes. Um, and uh, I guess maybe this is semi-related. I have, in just the last week or so, been trying to teach myself ukulele so that I can teach my students the same just by staying like two steps ahead of them. So it's a lot of fun, but I'm not very good at it yet. <laughs> um, I'm Kay Gross, and I had the opportunity to go to an arts elementary school. Um, but even before that, I started playing the flute when I was seven. I was part of some choirs and stuff when I was a kid as well. Wouldn't believe that the way I sing now, but um, yeah, I was in like the training choirs for um, the big like children's choir in Toronto. And then I played flute for about 10 years. And then I also did piano lessons because you had to do at least one year of piano lessons at my elementary school. And then I also played the double bass for a while. So yeah, I've I've played some music. <laughs> um, oh, the piccolo is the one flute I've never played. Mm. Also, I've played the alto flute, flute and the bass flute and the regular flute, but I've never played the piccolo. You're two types of flute up on me then. Yeah, I, I, was, in a, I was in a flute choir for a while. Wow. <laughs> I have a comic about it. <laughs> one time, a 14-year-old got really mad at me on the internet because I made a comic about not being able to read music anymore, and they typed in all caps that my comic was the worst thing that they'd ever read, and they hated it so much, and were personally offended, <laughs> and that I was lying. <laughs> that wasn't in April, was it? <laughs> oh. Ooh. Goodness. Ooh. Um, I'd love to read that comic that you made. Yeah. Sometime. Yeah, I'll link it to you. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, so my name's Jess. And um, for your question, these are music lessons outside of school. Yes. So not so in high school. Not the band. Um, okay, sweet. I started teaching myself ukulele in high school, so I think around grade 10. Yeah. Um, I still play. It's a great instrument. Like, I love it. And I've, like, messed around a bit with uh, guitar and, like, a little bit of electronic music just on the side. But, yeah, nothing, nothing super intense. I'm Jeff Ellis. I mostly just played in band. Uh, I did the alto sax. But uh, for things outside of school, uh, I actually just remembered for a very brief period, my friend was trying to start a punk band. <laughs> and he found out there was rehearsal spaces you could rent for, like, 20 bucks a person. And it had a drum kit. But he needed a person to play the drums. So I was 
recruited to be their drummer. <laughs> and the fun part of being a drummer for a punk rock band is you don't need to know anything <laughs> or be good at anything. You just need to make lots of noise. And um, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed uh, my brief stint as a drummer, though I would probably attribute that period to where I had a majority of my hearing loss as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. Now, that was very interesting. Uh, so I'm Jam, and the reason that I asked this question is because as I was reading this work and reflecting, uh, I've actually been in a lot of extracurricular music lessons. So my next door neighbor was very involved with the piano, with classical piano. Uh, even from a very young age, and I remember very clearly her practicing very diligently every single day. And that led to me, for a, a short period of time, taking some piano lessons for maybe a year or two, and then I dropped off that. Then I went into solo voice lessons as well, when I followed that for probably three or four years, taking voice training. And in addition to playing a number of musical instruments in the band, I also take additional lessons for the clarinet focus lessons on the clarinet, and yeah, since then a couple of other musical instruments, uh, but yeah, it was it was interesting to me that I had so many, like, on top of school, these lessons from a young age, and it was, I wondered how many people were like that, but that's it, and now we can talk about your line, April. I, um, I'm probably the least initiated in manga, uh, surprisingly, considering that I've spent so much time immersed in other Japanese things. So yeah, it was um, it was kind of refreshing to read this because, as you say, uh, it's been a little dark in the last couple months. So it was nice to read something a bit lighter. It was a bit of an adjustment. I always find like manga for me is a bit of an adjustment just because uh, everything's like so dialed up to eleven, despite the fact that it's like a really simple story about this guy who's lost his will his ability to play piano and this girl who's going to kind of like coax that back out of him like the premise is just so like wonderfully simple and then it's you know i'm really glad to hear that it finished at 11 volumes because i'm i might actually read 11 volumes if i know it's going to conclude so that's actually really good to hear because i will say by the end of volume two i was thinking to myself oh wow like we just scratched the surface. <laughs> we have so much more to go through, I'm sure, yeah. before we're going to get to Kosei playing the piano again. Yeah. And it, <laughs> it's interesting that uh, you don't feel like you have a lot of exposure in manga. I do feel like this is a very classic style of, of shoujo manga. What I like about it is that it is very, it's almost two by the numbers for me. Uh, it has enough twists to keep me interested, which is why I, I brought it forward, because I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was really well executed and held together and held my interest very well. But it is very classic in, in its execution and its its beats. Like, I can kind of see the setup a mile away <laughs> coming uh, with some of the way that things are laid out, but it is very quintessential manga. So if you don't have familiarity with shoujo manga, I think it is a good barometer for whether you would like that genre or not. So do you like okay. it? <laughs> oh, no. yes. No, I, I love this. Um, I don't think I've ever read a comic as fast as I read this. Ah, <laughs> and part of that is the pacing, because shoujo has, like, very different pacing, even from shonen comics. But, like, I couldn't put it down. Like, it, it's, a, a, it's really a, sim it's a very simple story, and it's um, not necessarily a lot of uh, depth to it. Like, the drawings are usually pretty simple, but... It's all emotion. 
Like it's style over substance, but it's a perfect style. It's exact. It's perfect. Uh, I read. I read some shoujo. I haven't read a whole lot, but it this comic is I think making me rethink like how I make comics. There's <laughs> so much wasted paper in this comic, and <laughs> is, I aspire to that. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's wasted on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's intentionally wasted. It's this is what that paper is there for. Yeah. So, <laughs> Very long I need to, panels yeah, with yeah. lots of space mm-hmm. dedicated to like a simple shift in emotion. It's yeah. definitely yeah. the thing that like I love. Two panels on a page. <laughs> yeah. And like a panel that doesn't have anything in it. And like, yes, <laughs> this is what comics can do. Well see, this is I would say like from reading this, I I really appreciated that they sort of took their time with it. And mm. uh, something I kind of was musing to myself later is I wonder if Japanese people read American comics and are just like, whoa, what's the rush? <laughs> oh, I thought this was a really fun series, but apparently there's only one volume? Like, jeez, like, I thought they could really have stretched it out a little bit. I, I do have to say that uh, when I took a break from reading superhero comics and read a lot of graphic novels and manga for a while and then tried to test the waters again with superhero comics, at least the, uh, trying to reread the comics that I had read as a teenager... The pacing was just so different. I couldn't get back into it. Because mm-hmm. it really is. It, like, if you compare this to, like, a 90s superhero comic, oh. like, they're polar opposites in yeah. terms of the pacing. Oh, yeah. No, I, I will say, like, I mean, I, I haven't read any superhero comics recently, but I definitely have noticed since I've been reading more long-form uh, fiction comics, like both independent North American and manga, that when you go back to reading, say, like, Iron Man, it's just like, <laughs> wow, like... Scene, then scene, then scene, then scene, then scene, and we're done. And you're like, whoa, whoa, guys. Like, <laughs> that one scene could have been like a 24-page comic. What are you doing? <laughs> I guess I will take a different stance than everyone on this comic. Um, it was fine. I didn't not enjoy reading it. Like, it was fine. I just didn't feel like I was being presented with something that's surprised me or was like different or doing something really innovative and maybe you have arguments that can like change my mind on that but I guess reading through it was kind of like like you said it was very very by the book it's kind of tropey like I kind of know where who the characters are and sort of like what their role in the story is or seems to be and it just um it was fine it was fine (laughs) yeah I think that's how I felt yeah I'm kind of with you um yeah, I feel I feel the same way. I want I want to acknowledge it though, because like parts of it were quite emotional. Like I was almost crying at parts, but then other parts I felt kind of neutral about. Like it was this interesting uh, zero to a hundred. So I'm not mm. sure what to think or what to feel about it, because I I think there are like nuggets in there. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think it's poorly executed. I think it's quite well executed. I yeah. I think maybe it's just not what I was in the mood for reading. Perhaps <laughs> yeah. is. See that that's Maybe funny. That, yeah, that's funny because I had the like opposite reaction for your book, so it's kind of unusual, and it's it's going to be an interesting conversation when we trade places. Uh, but for me, I think the the big thing when I read this book the first time when I was like auditing books for trade waiters, I was kind of I was just so tired of genre bending books. You know what I mean? Like for mm. I was just so tired in general with life, and there's something just so nice. You know, if there wasn't any you know, rampant misogyny in this. There wasn't any, like, overt racism. There wasn't any homophobia. There wasn't anything that took me out of just a peaceful place 
and I enjoyed this book. And I will actually disagree that I don't think there was anything noteworthy and innovative about this book because the there were two things that were really interesting to me as someone who has read a lot of shoujo manga. So the one thing was the focus, the very clear focus on music. I thought like the way that they dived quite deep into that world and how it's structured was unusual. Mm. Uh, so not in, unusual in the way that it was being tackled, but it was a story I had not read before. So it gave me a window into something that I thought was really interesting. And I thought the dichotomy between uh, Kosei and Kaori, the two of them approach the music world in completely different ways. And so to have them as a foil for each other and helping each other through their different struggles through this lens of music was a story I had not read before. And sometimes that's just nice. It's, you know, it's a story that yeah. hasn't been read before. And the other thing that was really interesting and shook me quite early on in this book was the relationship between uh, Kosei and his mother. The mm. way that the mother was very strict and, you know, physically abusive to Kosei. And it was presented very plainly and very cleanly early on. And it created for me this complexity with Kosei and the piano. And so he has all of these complicated emotions with, you know, his mom is the one who forced him into this life, and yet it became all he had. And so for him to have suffered this loss with his mother and then to come back and try and reacquaint himself with the piano through this, you know, this lens of loss and this lens of, you know, borderline abuse, which <laughs> is something that could be discussed. Mm. Uh, and I found a really interesting quote, actually, as I was researching this book. So... I, I read an interview with the author from someone who was stateside, and they noted that the mother was quite strict, and Kosei said that he had tried to portray them as not that strict. So, which is really interesting. Okay, right? that yeah. is interesting. So I have a, a short quote here. As I was doing research to prepare for creating the series, I read interviews and did some research about real professional classical musicians and pianists. While doing that, I saw many parents and teachers who are like that, who were very strict and demanding. And you may also notice that the dad has not a presence in his life. She's always pushing, pushing, pushing him. So it was something that was a, a deliberate choice, but the fact that he could see that as not strict hmm. is really interesting to me. Well, I think I think that speaks a little bit to the sort of Japanese work ethic that mm -hmm. we've addressed in, when we were talking about Bakuman, yeah. where I think there is something very cultural there where about like taking pride in just destroying yourself to become perfect at one thing. Like it, even if it kills you, if you manage to do this one thing perfectly, like the rest of society is like, good job. Like you keep that up. Like good for you. <laughs> That's the part I relate to. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I mean, I don't know whether this is a, a shoujo trope as well, but it's definitely a shonen trope. The, that competition is, sort of the pinnacle of success or the measure of success. And I really like that in this book, the, the premise seems to be, at least in the first two volumes, that that's the wrong approach. That the other approach that you're allowed to have fun, you're allowed to fail, you don't have to win the competition if the audience liked what you did. Like, I really like that. Yes. Yeah, I think the music parts were definitely the strongest parts for me. Like, the actual in the recital, I think, were really really good like just for depicting music and for just that's where I was the most um, wrapped up in the story it was like oh wow how's this performance going to play out like oh are they going to win like that I think I got really invested in I mean just 
Uh, to get back to tropes for a second, though, I would say I definitely found uh, like some of the stuff like when he first meets uh, Cowrie and he has the misunderstanding of it looks like he took a picture of her underwear and then she freaks out and beats him up. Like I've seen that a hundred million times and that was like an eye roll moment. And it was a weird thing because I felt like it kept going through the story where like, I don't think Kosei had any ill intent towards Kaori, but was like the author sort of like made time for like weird misunderstandings to happen between the two of them, which is just like, why why does this have to happen? Like, (laughs) why do we need this? Why does it like, he's, he's not trying to go after her sexually but yet, like, the author felt this need to, like, create these, like, misunderstandings so that she can get mad and punch him in the face. It's like, I don't understand why that's such a trope <laughs> in manga. And I, I just felt like that would be, if we're talking about trimming the fat, that would be the fat I would trim. Yeah. Mm. They, yeah. they almost certainly will be going together romantically. In later volumes, I can almost guarantee. Right. Oh, well, no, sorry. I, I saw that coming as well, but just, like, it's weird that, like the foreshadowing for that is just like, oh, remember that time that uh, you thought I took a picture of your underwear? Like, I mean, what <laughs> couple has that story? It's like, also, like, completely not <laughs> in character for either of them. As, yeah. like, as we learn more about the characters later, it's like, I I would believe this of different characters, not of these two. Yeah, it's true. It was definitely a really awkward scene. Uh, yeah. And it, it felt very by the numbers in a way that I, I agree was kind yeah. of negative. Yeah. And that's, that's, I really want to expand on that because that's what I kind of meant when it was going from zero to a hundred for me. Parts of the story are like so compelling and so beautiful. Like the scenes with music are so emotional. Like the dynamic with his mother and like being kind of defined by this abuse, but this thing that you love and having what you love tied so closely tied with abuse because I believe his mother beats him. Um, as I recall, that was, there's so much interesting things. And then these really awkward, um, tropey scenes and out of character moments would happen. And so it, I, on the whole, I, I feel sort of, I feel neutral about it, hmm. but yeah, it's fascinating. Like many components of it are very fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder sometimes whether tropes like that in manga reflect the kind of tropes that we see in movies very often, where it's like, there's just certain things that have to happen on the movie. You know, it's like on page mm. 35 of your script, there needs to be a car chase. <laughs> right. So if someone like shoehorns a car chase in there, even yeah. though it doesn't really make sense for the plot. Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt like that to me. It could be like the editor, right? This could be like editorial, you know, thing like, well, okay, at this point, the male character has to take a picture of female character's underwear and she has to punch him. I yeah. Mean, it's like, otherwise, otherwise we're not going to know it's a shoujo. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to know it's a shoujo manga. We're not going to know who's going to end up together. So. <laughs> <laughs> they never punch each other. How do we know where they're headed in the long run? Yeah. Uh, can, I, can we talk about the art? Yeah, Because um, I really just generally liked the art a lot. And again, like the music scenes, like I'm working on a story for Cloudscape that's about communicating music. And so I thought this was really inspirational for just how to communicate music soundlessly. But then I would say that there was this ongoing thing, and I guess this is partly like a manga and a shoujo thing, but you have those like really extreme expressions. Mm. And like, that's supposed to be Kaori? Yeah. And... <laughs> I, I felt like stuff like that really, like, took me out of the story in a sense, because sometimes I had to actually stop. Like, this literally was a panel where I was like, wait, is that Kaori? No, that's actually I'm... Tsubaki. Or Tsubaki. Okay, see, like, it just got <laughs> so lost sometimes as to who's who's talking, because some of these extreme expressions, mm-hmm. as much as I actually like extreme Japanese expressions, I felt like this artist sort of took it beyond what was reasonable, which is funny, because, like, the... 
the quiet, calm scenes are so well drawn, so this person knows how to draw, mm. but just sometimes it was like this over-the-top expressiveness that I thought just almost took me away from the story, like distracted from uh, the drama. I don't know if you guys felt the same thing. I don't know. I think maybe I read enough manga that I just sort of gloss over that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just becomes well, part of the landscape after see, a while. See, I, I think normally stuff like that, it, it blends in for me too, but this in particular okay. stood out. Like, it just felt like it was taking it beyond what was reasonable. Maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Uh, <laughs> I, I actually agree. I, I feel that. I've read a lot of manga, like, growing up. Like, that's sort of what I grew up on for the most part. And maybe it was just a tonal thing. Maybe it was the contrast between mm. some of those, like, really gorpy, like, taking photos of the underwear and, like, crazy expressions and, like, people falling down and bleeding and having blood everywhere. Yeah. And then, like, this truly, like, beautiful and um, dark and, like, quite moving themes, the, this yeah. sort of uh, dichotomy. But, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to take up too much time. Were you going to say something? Uh, no, that was, that's a good comment. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. Like, I, I thought the parts that were emphasizing the theme that I felt was really strong in this work, like with the music yeah. and how people connect to the music, and... Uh, Jeff, we can't see no, your I panels. I, this is a podcast. I'm just holding the phone. She's talking. <laughs> okay. You didn't have to draw attention to it. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Uh, so the, the panels that uh, underscore the theme and what it's trying to achieve and what makes this work special and different, I thought were really well executed artistically. And then, what is happening? Is that like a fire alarm? Okay, so if you hear a... Are we recording now? Yeah. Apologies for the interruption. If you hear a dinging noise in the background of this podcast, apparently a part of the library is on fire, <laughs> but not the part where we're in. <laughs> so we're just going to... This is how dedicated we are to you, our listeners. Yes. We're going to keep recording until this part of the library is on fire. That's yes. right. The death bell is tolling. <laughs> they won't stop talking. <laughs> Comics to the grave, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, uh, we were discussing the art of Your Lie in April and whether certain stylistic choices helped or detracted from the experience. And I think that the art was really strong in the sections that were related to the theme of the work, uh, the music sections, and also the, the parts of the work that were describing uh, Carrie's depression at times and loss. But uh, the rest of the time, for me, the work, the artwork, didn't do enough to distinguish itself. I thought that the art was so middle-of-the-road manga that it wasn't interesting in, in any way. So I thought it was very technically well-executed, but outside of those really standout sections, uh, uh, the, the art didn't really do anything for me. It was a little bit too simplistic. Yeah. Uh, the the author mentioned in this interview that people were cosplaying his characters, and I'm like, how do you cosplay <laughs> characters this simple? That's no. true, yeah. They just, would not just be just by at all. In. Yeah, I guess the ballroom gown and violin yeah. could have been a cosplay option. Well, if, if there's a manga, if there's an anime based on it, at least you'd also have color as an element. Yeah, they have the right color outfits or whatever. But like, that's not in the manga. That doesn't help us any. But yeah, I would I would have liked to see more of this. This is more of what this now is, again. This is this this panel where she's holding up the violin bow and she's got sweat dripping off of her and there's this drama with the crowd in the background. Like that is a good panel of art. I think that really communicates. Like the effort she's putting into her violining, and I think that more of that would have made for a better comic. Yeah, but on the other hand, uh, it kind of creates a distinction between 
the world of classical music, right? And right. their boring kind of high school life. That's true. That's true. That's it true. does seem like they enter a different space. Like, it almost seems like a completely different comic when they're in there. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I think keeping them separate, for sure, but then maybe, like, more musical performances. <laughs> <laughs> One of the sequences I enjoyed a lot was um, at the end of Volume 2, when the protagonist is deciding whether or not to jump off the bridge after her, and it sort of cuts back and forth between, like, performing and the edge of the bridge and performing on the edge of the bridge, and he jumps off, and he's going down, and it then you don't see him hit the water yet. It's just a close-up on him, and you turn the page, and it's a big, like, crowd scene in one page, and your mind can, like, fill in the roar of the crowd as the splash, and the way that sort of transitioned together, I thought was um, quite a nice nice use of the comics medium. I don't know. I enjoyed that. Yeah, there were were a lot of things like that where the, the page layout... Or the panel-to-panel transitions, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That was the stuff that I really focused on. Is like this is what, this is a good example of how to how to do comics. I think there's a page early on in the first volume where they're just, uh, it's the the main character is just in a park, and it's a whole page where there's like an empty rectangle, and it's not even clear why there's an empty rectangle. Maybe it's a panel, maybe it's a speech balloon with no words in it. I don't know, but it just add some kind of depth or something. I don't even know what's going on, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's high a level stuff. Yeah. It's, it's a passage in time between yeah. this night uh-huh. and the next day. Yeah. yeah. And then there's like empty panels of an empty park. And then the last panel is like no background, a giant clock, the main character really small, just standing there. And it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like okay, the drafting uh, and the character designs are kind of meh. You're right. They're not, Super interesting. That didn't really stand out for me. But stuff like that, like that really drew me in. Yeah. When I see panels like that, it reminds me of uh, Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Yeah. Like the moment, uh, what is it called? Like a moment by moment transition? No, type? no. It's um, aspect to aspect. Aspect mm-hmm. to aspect. Yeah, yeah. That was that type of things was defined for manga, I think. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, manga really... Uh, manga invented that. I don't know if they invented it or not, but they definitely perfected it. <laughs> Yeah. And then, can I just ask, was I the only person who was super confused when the concert ended, and then all of a sudden we were in the hospital, and then we're just (laughs) seeing, like, her naked back by accident, so she can punch people in the face again, Uh, and it turns out she has a a health problem, which I was like, oh, she's going to die of cancer by volume 11. Um I like how you nod your head. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, <laughs> definitely is. I haven't read Volume Eleven, but I could. Be I saw I saw very emotional anime music videos to a Twenty One Pilots song about this anime that I can only assume is about cancer. Oh, <laughs> spoilers! Uh, spoilers that we haven't even read it. But, I, I agree. But though. that that was well, just, you're right though. I, mean, I didn't even realize that because there's a whole setup. There's his mom dies, and now he meets yeah. this girl, and like she is going to visit the doctor. But don't worry, it's just check. Nothing's wrong. Right. <laughs> they even this set that good. up in yeah. the very first scene with her. As I was reading, rereading it today, where she's crying from having played the melodica because she was exerting herself too much. For uh, uh, yeah, mm. and it's <laughs> by, by the numbers. But, but like literally, we go from here, and then we go to the next chapter, and now we're in the hospital. Like where. I don't know. That just felt really awkward to me. Well, but, it, it's a change in. I I don't like the fact that they introduced that method of jumping around in time between books one and two because one mm. had none of it. 
If they had a, a little bit more uh, non-chronology in book one, I think that would have been way less confusing. And right. I, I picked it up eventually. Right. right. I was confused at first. I'm like, oh, we're in the hospital. I thought it was a flash forward. Right. But then we ended up going backwards again. Yeah. And it took us a while to unravel that whole sequence. Yeah. And it would have been much, much cleaner, I think, if that had been introduced in, in yeah. book one. Yeah. Good. Okay. I was. I kept. I actually read reread that like twice because I'm like, no, I must have missed a page or something. I must have missed a chapter. But, no. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What is the lie in April? Who is lying? What is the lie? So uh, I don't know with certainty, having not read anything beyond book two, but 100%, I believe that. The lie in April is that... Was it Kauri? I forget her name again. I'm yeah, so Kauri. with this. Kauri lied to Kosei when she said it was her first time in the hospital. And this doesn't happen to her regularly. Oh. So she was deliberately obfuscating the fact that she's she's going to die. Okay. She's going to die by April, by volume 11. Probably in April. It's going to be... That's, we don't the last know. volume is called You're Dying. Oh. oh. <laughs> I'm not sure that pun works yeah. in, in Japanese as well as English. <laughs> it has to work in Japanese or it's not a good pun. Yeah, but it, it's 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 why uh, this character has such a carpe diem attitude, I think. Okay. The okay. number four the number four uh sounds a lot like the verb for to die in Japanese. Oh. Okay, let's try it. Oh, his fourth month. Oh, holy crap. There you go. <laughs> Ending solved. You figured it out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you just give us, like, we should have, like, a special episode where we read the first volume of any random manga and try to guess the oh. last volume. Oh, man. I would play this game. I like that. Oh, I like man. that. I recently saw a video of a guy who recited the entire plot of Naruto to his wife when never seen it. And it was just like my kind of canon, just like how absurd Naruto was. I loved it so much. And he remembered a lot, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember all of this too. <laughs> but I would play that game. That would be a fun game. Yeah. This is off topic, but it reminds me of... Um... Like, the, I got to a point when I was still watching Star Trek regularly, when there was Star Trek that was regularly on TV, where I could watch the first ten minutes of an episode and I would know the ending. Oh, yeah. I got to that point as well. And that's when I stopped watching, but... Like. <laughs> yeah, I used to do that with a garbage TV show where I'd watch it and see how much of it I could speak along with it because the writing was so predictable. <laughs> uh, all right, so, you're lying, April. Anything more to say on that? Would you recommend it? I would recommend this. I enjoyed it a lot. I think there is material here I could learn from in the process of like how to pace out a comic, how to do those panel-to-panel transitions. But I guess if you have read Shoujo before and you're not a fan of Shoujo, maybe don't try this one because it will be more of the stuff you won't like. Well said. Not well said, but if you yeah, that if would, those are some pretty if you don't like defenses. shoujo, this isn't going to change your mind about it. But you if go. you like shoujo, I think you should read this. <laughs> I wouldn't not recommend it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if someone's like, should I read this? I'd be like, yeah, go for it. But I wouldn't be like, this is going to blow your mind. <laughs> um, I mean, it was enjoyable. I don't know. I don't know. It was fun. Like, if, yeah, go ahead and read it. <laughs> go ahead and read it. The library good. has it, so. Actually, I would, I'll just add to mine. If you're going to make a comic about music, 
you could you could get some pointers from some of the music panels here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, yeah, I was going to say that too. Um, I personally feel that music is the hardest thing to depict in comics out of anything. It's music, and this would be a great place to uh, check that out for reference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for me, I definitely would recommend this work for a couple of groups in particular. For anyone who is not sure about uh, shoujo manga, maybe they've never tried it before, as I said, I think this is a quintessential shoujo manga and would be a really great place to evaluate whether or not you like that genre at all. Not to say that one book can speak for an entire genre, I just think that it's so, you know, perfect in <laughs> the way that it is. That if you don't like this, you're not going to like shoujo, probably. Uh, and the other group is just like, if you like shoujo manga and you just want a relaxing read, you know, something nice and <laughs> fun. Yeah. I, I liked it. I enjoyed the plot and I would probably read more of it. If you need to get if you need to get away from the Twitter and, and yeah. the horrible darkness pulsating out of it. <laughs> disconnect your internet, pull out some of your line April. But, but be ready for <laughs> some things that rhyme with the number four by volume eleven. Right. Yeah, it's gonna well it's like sad sad comics are my job, so that still qualifies. Yeah. Still, still like crying in a good way. Yeah. 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 Crying in a nice way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Surely she has 11 volumes to live her life to the fullest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we assume. <laughs> <laughs> ten Maybe volumes. Maybe ten. ten. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um. Ten and a half. <laughs> See, that's, how people, oh. that's how people give the prognosis. <laughs> like, you've got maybe seven, eight volumes tops. <laughs> What's worse? Yeah, and if you know what role you have in the story, then you're, you're basically doomed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, why am I wearing this red shirt? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm Jeff Ellis. You can find my work at jeffreyellis.ca. So I got a new URL. No more hyphen. And uh, I'm also gonna. Sh- I'm just gonna shout out uh, a local cartoonist from Victoria named Matt Smith. Not the doctor. He has a web comic called Smith vs. Smith, and uh, uh, he came to the last Cloudscape meeting. And he remembered talking to me at Emily Con about three years ago, and he gave me all of his new comics that he made. And it was very sweet, and uh, it was a delightful interaction. And you should uh, just check out his comics if you want to support a local artist. Okay, cool. I'm Jam. Uh, you can find my comics, I guess, talent.ca. And uh, the shout-out, you know, I think I've shouted this person out quite a few times now, but the only other thing that brings her into my life is questionable content. <laughs> so Jeff Jack's questionablecontent.net. Uh, uh, there's a big red robot named Bubbles, and the other character who's been in a lot lately is named Faye, and I really want them to make out. <laughs> Jeff, please, if you're listening, I want Bubbles and Faye to make out. Make it happen. Life is awful. Uh, they have a Kickstarter out right now for Volume 6. Oh, I can link that from the yeah, page. There you go. Questionable content. It's great. Not questionable at all. Not Well, it's questionable <laughs> at times. Okay, okay. <laughs> Not questionable in terms of quality. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm Jonathan Dalton. Uh, you can find my work at phobos-comic.com. And I decided to stay on theme here. And rather than shout out a book, I'm going to shout out a YouTube channel, uh, the one that I have been using to teach myself the ukulele. It's Cynthia Lin. So look on YouTube for her, and you can learn the ukulele as uh, well, in quotation marks, as I am. <laughs> That's good. I might check that out. I might. <laughs> she's got, she's got a good uh, selection of songs. Sweet. It's a little 
the the rate of uh, learning is a little steep for my students, but it's about the right pitch for me. Um, I'm Kay Gross, and you can find my work at LearnerMalities.com. That's my ongoing webcomic, and I am going to shout out a podcast this week. I've been pushing through a whole bunch of inking lately, and I have been listening to the Process Party podcast, which is Zach Soto and Mike Dawson, um, and they interview other cartoonists about their process and stuff, and I just listened to the Jason Shiba episode, and that was super interesting, and now I'm like halfway through the Joey Allison Sayers one, and I don't know, they're just like charming, and I like hearing about uh, how other cartoonists work, so definitely check it out. Yeah, that sounds really good. Um, I'm Jess Pollard, and you can read my webcomic, uh, Liquid Shell, at liquidshell.tumblr.com. And I would like to shout out my amazing friend B, who's in, um, I'm going to try to pronounce this properly, Kazo Saitama in Japan. And um, she was telling me that she listens to this podcast, and she listened to a whole bunch of the episodes, and like, really enjoyed it, and it just made my day. So, like, thank you so much for listening, B. Like, shout out for you. <laughs> We're up to, like, yay, five listeners now, at least. Sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one more shout out that just sprung to mind, if I could. So, uh, since this is a very shoujo manga podcast, uh, I wanted to shout out I had the other shoujo manga that was on my plate, and I was kind of 50-50. So, if you are a shoujo manga fan... The one that I was reading is called My Love Story, with a big exclamation point at the end. <laughs> and it is it breaks the genre a little bit, and it's freaking hilarious, and I really like that work. I, I started getting into the uh, anime, which I think does it even better. So. Is that Aro Mono Batari? Maybe. I only know it by that name, but if it's the one I'm thinking of, that's it's great. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit more extreme, so... What uh, what are we doing next episode? Oh, next episode we are reading Wendy and Wendy's Revenge by Walter Scott. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. Thanks to the Vancouver Public Library for letting us record in the Inspiration Lab and Sleuth for the music. You can find us at tradewaiters.tumblr.com as well as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.